Welcome back, listeners, to the Listen In podcast with Jake and Sean. It is April 15th, episode 173. We are still chugging along here in quarantine, in lockdown. It has been a full month since we went into lockdown, or since I, I did at least, since I started working from home. It's been yep. about exactly a month. What about you, Jake? Yeah, we're, this I think is the fifth week. Yep. So yeah, it's been, it's been just over a month. How are you hanging in there? You know, it's going all right. And if you want a glimpse into um, the mental state that we are both in, you can, you can listen to the, the post-show listeners. Yes. Yes. Um, but, you know, obviously things are not great. But um, it is nice to know um, the silver lining is for us that the, the, the podcast medium has no boundaries. We are able to record via teleconferencing technology. That's right. It, this, what a boom this has been, Jake, for teleconferencing platforms. Exactly. Even so, just, you know what, Jake? Their solutions is really what they are. They're not products. They're not. No. They're solutions for, for smart businessmen and women yep. to connect. Right. Yep. They're solutions. They're solutions, not products. But yeah, uh, you know, obviously things are weird. I got to say that there are, I do catch myself in moments like feeling uh, just kind of forgetting in, in moments because it has become routine now. Yes. Um, but but I, I feel similar where, and I think I mentioned this when we first got on the line, it's like things are still normal for me in a way. Cause it's like, I'm, well, I'm at my apartment. I'm spending time here. This is something I would do anyways, but it's, very much not normal. And you have these two conflicting ideas going on at the same time. And sometimes one wins out more than the other. But yeah, it's, it's not easy. It's not even when you're in the best situation that you really could be, which I think both you and I are, we're still working. You know, we get to work from home. We don't have to be in a major city. We're not on the front lines of this necessarily. Yeah. Um, it's still not easy. Um, knowing full well that other people are dealing with worse. No, and again, we'll, we go into this if you're interested in more of this at the end of the podcast, but it does uh, feel like things are uncertain in a real way for the first time in our life. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, are, and are really in our face scary uh, in a way that I, I've not personally felt ever. Um, That's exactly right. That's well put. Very well put. Yes. And for any more uh, COVID-19 discussion, see the after show pre-show. Jake. Yeah. Before we hit on some of these new albums, I did want to ask you, though, how has lockdown impacted your listening habits, your music listening, even your podcast listening? What are you finding over the last month that has changed or stayed the same? I think you would be surprised how much stays the same. The things that, that have changed for me with music, especially in the early weeks when this still all felt, I mean, obviously it's traumatic all the way through all five, six weeks of this outbreak for corona, uh, coronavirus have been traumatic for the country and for the people involved. But like, do you remember the feeling of week one and two when it felt like a very fresh trauma and it was very confusing and it just yeah. felt like, like, you know, we were just talking about how we settled a bit into a routine. Yep. Um, and it feels like, okay, I understand it a little more. I'm still scared, but it's like, you know, I can't live every day in this, this sense of like true animalistic fear. I have right. to settle in. Yeah. Early on, it felt like I was turning more to music than podcasts just as like, like when I'd go on rides, I, I just like couldn't take information as much. Right. Yep. And so, so music definitely took the place of that. And I think what, what resulted was 
um, stuff like in the last podcast, which I covered, which is like, like I'm just going to get way, way into the band now. I'm just going to be like, I'm just going to kind of learn everything I can about these two masterpiece albums. I'm going to listen to them every single day, like three times. Yep. And it's just like this security blanket. And it started feeling like, like I would, I would come to work, literally get from my bed and walk over to my desk, mm-hmm. make a coffee. And my routine became like, after I had my morning meeting, start big pink or start the band and yep. it just like, and fall into the comfort of that. I would say that it has detracted a little bit from new music for me, if I'm being perfectly honest, in a way that I, I, I can't even fully explain. I think what it has to do is that it is less comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I sort of like, it's like any tragedy or any moment that, that puts people in shock, it feels less important than it did before. I'm just like, look, if I have one less cogent take on the Eve Tumor album, like no one's going to hold it against me. Exactly. I'm, I'm going to listen to Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Yep. And, and yep. like kind of just like fall into the songs I know on that. I don't know. What about you? That makes a lot of sense. That's really interesting. Um, I think for me, not a lot has changed in terms of my habits because I think Music and podcast listening is so baked into my day to begin with. It's almost like nothing's going to interrupt that as long as I have access to do it. Yeah. Um, and there's always certain times of the day where I want to listen to a podcast versus music. So none of that really changed necessarily. I know what you mean about the type of music though. I have felt sort of overwhelmed by um, the amount of choices that I have or feel like I should be listening to. I still have this, this like compulsion to keep up with everything in the same way and give it all the same like attention that I think it deserves. Yeah. So I end up looking at some of these new albums and I'm like, Oh man, like I I really got to like listen to that. I got to get more listens into that when maybe I want to be listening to some other stuff. Like for example, um, I put together a playlist uh, of just sort of like instrumental or like very soft, songs i call it i'd rather be sleeping it's fucking sick it's great it's like it's a vibe so i would i i will share it with you jake um but i've been like maybe more inclined to listen to like easy listening or like things that are a little more comfort comforting or like feel like a warm blanket that i don't have to think about as much yeah i think when i'm when i am branching out and listening to new things um or when I'm trying to go back and, and listen to old albums and I have a recommendation of the week on this, it's hit or miss. Like some of them, I'm just like, no, I can't, I really can't do that right now. Other ones feel like they speak to the moment but in like a way that is sort of abstract and cool and weird. For example, PJ Harvey, I listened to stories from the city, stories from the sea for the first time over this last week. And the first song kicks off and I was like, whoa, this song, this is like, sick um and it's like speaking to like this chaotic environment or whatever and i was like this is this is like give me shelter but for like the 21st century this is cool Hmm. um so it's like things are hitting me in a different way and you wouldn't even think that you know that pj harvey album would relate to now and maybe it doesn't necessarily but for me in like some moments it felt like it has so I think the way I process or think about music is a little bit different. I either want something that's comforting or I want something that is like speaking to what is happening now, even if it's in 
an abstract sense. There's two things that you said that I really want to hit on. One is the playlists, um, which is that I actually like have kind of started making some playlists in a way that I never had before just to see if I could do it. Like, and it all stemmed from when I got into the band some more. And one thing I wanted to do was uh, I was, I became sort of obsessed with the notion and, and, and this, this kind of like hypothesis I had that these songs that Richard Manuel sings, like uh, I Shall Be Released or In a Station or any of those songs that are a little more like kind of, they're a little more R&B influenced and they have like more minimal percussion, more kind of like falsetto-y vocals. I was like, there's a through line from this stuff and like Beach Boys style stuff all, all the way down through Frank Ocean and Panda Bear and some more modern music. And I was like, I have to kind of like prove my own point by making this playlist that sews together songs from Pet Sounds and from, from uh, Person Pitch and from the Frank's Ocean singles and from music from Big Pink, like the, a stray Crosby, Stills and Nash song, a stray jazz ah. song. The new the garden song by Phoebe Bridgers. Now I went on your Spotify. Is that this whisper sounds? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay. Um, So there's that. And then I also did, I I just wanted a playlist of like Bob Dylan and the band stuff that I liked and that, which I named after his awesome quote about blonde on blonde, the thin wild mercury sound. Yes. Which is like just a great Dylanism. Um, the other thing I wanted to hit on is I think you're right on when you say there's a certain like type of music that works for the moment. And, and, and that goes back to the band as well. Like I think honestly, if I, part of why it worked so well for me in those first couple of weeks and why I became so obsessed was like, there's this notion, especially on big pink that these guys were just these musicians. They were, they kind of became friends and they all, they got this house. They bought this house in rural New York. And they they left like society and 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 they they wrote this music together, which just seems like, and the music itself is so rooted in, you know, the idea of Americana and all that that it just feels sort of like tr- like th- there's something essential, something very true about it, mm-hmm. and in a way that like the trappings of like social media and constant news yeah. and like the scare of a pandemic, it kind of felt like that was a place where that shit couldn't get you. Um, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And, and I hadn't really thought about that until now, but that's, that's yeah. interesting that you say that about PJ Harvey. Cause I think that's part of how I felt yeah. and you're saying it more with PJ Harvey. You're saying it more encapsulates the, the mood of now, yep. which totally makes sense Yeah, with the band. It was a similar thing, but like kind of opposite. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, that's good. I'm glad, I'm glad that we're able to sort of use that as a balm jake in in different ways yes um let's dive in with hot thoughts uh we have some interesting ones to discuss so last time we were on the pod i think i broke down release radar as specifically when ef's tumor and purity ring and empress of were coming out i was like i will listen to all of these i will love none of them um and I need to eat my words here a little bit, Jake. Okay. I have to say, both the Purity Ring and Ev's Tumor album, they're both very good. Um, I'm especially pleasantly surprised by this Purity Ring one. Okay. Um, So I know you and I talked about this the day it came out. We're like, yeah, it was fine. That was competent. Yeah. Um, I continued listening 
because there was a couple songs I legitimately really liked at first, like Pink Lightning. I was like, all right, that's cool. Stardew was cool, the last track. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go back because like it was a pretty easy listen. And I got to say, I had one day where I was working and I put this on and I just, I was like, wow, they, okay, they did it with this album, actually. They're, they're like, they're doing their thing. And I listened to it again um, and I kind of kept it in a nice rotation. And I have to say, whatever happened on their second album that made me not really care as much is not here on this one. And this one feels more to me like, shrines or like how much i enjoyed that it's tapping into shrines more than it is another eternity so let, let's talk about that for a minute because i agree with you and i think i have like a different take but but i think we have the same essential like point which is that for me it does feel more like shrines the production is a little dirtier in the way that shrines yeah. was um another eternity which i think that's the second one right that's yeah. what it's called um, definitely had a cleaner production thing going on and there were songs I liked on it here and there but it like it kind of lost me because part of what I love so much about Shrines is that, is that it feels sort of murky and mired okay. and like dark, mysterious you know? yep um, this album you know I've listened three or four times and I, it certainly isn't I don't dislike it. it nothing about it has really sunk its hooks into me which I have been um surprised by because Mm. honestly like i'm a huge fan of shrines probably more than you should even be Mm. like i really love that album and i have like you know really cared about purity ring and like their trajectory and something about it just i don't know maybe maybe chalk it up to the the moment we're in i I was gonna say i i think especially when it came out over that weekend that friday whatever I, i think it was easy to get lost in some other stuff and I noticed that happening with me. And I, the next week I was like, no, no, no go back. Cause you know, that first listen was like, you know, you enjoyed it. it. It wasn't, nothing stuck, but in the more I listened, the more things stuck. And I think a song like Pink Lightning, um, I Like the Devil, uh, Sinu, I think that song's really good. And then Stardew, the last track, but I think everything's pretty consistently solid. Look, I, I don't think it's as good as, shrines or it's not hitting that level but i think it's like pretty well done um and i think they're on like a a good trajectory especially coming off of another eternity which i was like could have gone either way on and i think this was sort of a defining album where it's like okay were shrines just kind of like a one-off you know like they caught lightning in a bottle i i don't think so i i think this album's very good I think it shows at the very least that they can continue to produce that kind of music and that yeah. they can, they can tap back into that purity ring sound. Yeah. And again, maybe this will be revealed with, with future listens. And I have not had like a phase with this album yet. I haven't had like a moment where it's like yeah. kind of what I have a routine with it or I'm listening to it a lot, but I do yeah. feel like I, there's not many songs on it that I feel like, wow, that really stands out in the way that like a lofty cries. Or- and, and there's not, even the highlights I just mentioned aren't to that level. Right. They're not totally stand on their own, like huge singles or anything. Um, it's all loosely catchy and, and right. in that way that Purity Ring is. Yes. And, and I, I don't dislike it, which I think is an important disclaimer. Like, I think if you put this on while working and let it sit in the background and like, you would start and you listen to it that way as actually maybe sort of just this comforting background music that is vaguely catchy yeah. that you don't really need to focus on too much. Like that could be the way in because that happened with me. And then it led to more detailed listens where I was like, huh, okay, there's like cool stuff here. Um, 
So that is purity ring. The other one that I mentioned where I was like, yeah, this will be fine, but I won't really like it is, is the Eve's tumor album. Now with this one, um, heaven to a tortured mind. Awesome album name. A cool, a cool title. Um, and it has cool artwork. Everything about this, the aesthetic of this album is sick. Yeah. Um, I think that first track, Gospel for a New Century. Awesome. Is one of the best tracks of the year. That song is so sick. It reminds me of like those crashing horns that were on that Against All Logic song um, that we loved from a couple years ago. This yeah. old house is all I have. It reminds me of yes. that a little bit. Yeah, the production. Would, um, yeah, absolutely. So that immediately grabbed me. I will say, given the current situation um uh sort of a more chaotic experimental ish album like this has been harder to really go back to again and again so there's a few songs i really like on here but i can't say i've listened as much as maybe the purity ring or even the strokes one which we'll talk about in a second too but i do think there's a lot of cool stuff here and it does feel like it's almost more of a rock experimentation where maybe the last one that came out a couple years ago was not that way. Like these songs do feel a little bit more straightforward on heaven to a tortured mind. Yeah, I agree. Filtered through the lens that, you know, I, now I, I always think I mispronounce it. I think I heard earlier that it's Eve tumor. Without, Is it Eve, Eve tumor. I never know. know. I, I've just been saying it different every single time. I, I don't do know. I, I'll get it right one time. You're right. A broken clock is right. I think it's mm-hmm. Eve without the S. So that's okay. just how I'm going to roll with Eve it. Humor. Here, here's my take on it. I, I, I have not listened to this album a ton. I have listened a few times. And I de- again, like you said, that first track is sick. The song Kerosene is really cool. Mm, yeah. There's a number of, like, I, the, Eve Tumor reminds me of, of Ice Age in yeah. that, in that. Yeah. It has all of the component parts of a band or artist I would love. And I love the album title. I love the cover. It's weird and experimental, but kind of catchy at some parts. Mm-hmm. And like, there's interesting production and there's interesting- song titles like gospel for a new century. Jay. Yeah. And there's, and there's interesting, uh, you know, instrumental choices, but something about the whole product holds me at an arm's length. And I just like, I feel like there's, I struggle to really, really sink my teeth into it in a way where I'm like, this is going to be an album that I come back to. That's how I feel too. As it is. I, I completely agree. I can recognize its competence. Um, I can recognize its greatness at times too. Me too. But it's, it's not one that I'm clamoring to go back to. It feels a little bit like work when I'm listening to it. And I felt that way with the last one. I feel that way less so with this one, but, but still there. And yeah, combine that with uh, an emotionally tumultuous time. Something like this is even more of a challenge, I think, even though it can maybe speak to some of the things that are going on right now in an interesting way. I just, again, like you found myself more at arm's length. Yeah. And so uh... I get, I mean, I think the most aggressive take you could have, and I don't feel this negatively mm-hmm. about it. I, and I think this is like what a criticism of Ice Age, too, if we're going to keep going with that comparison, is like, to me, it feels like on this album, and I guess this guy's name is Sean Bowie. That's his actual name, which is like, really? if your name is Sean Bowie, that's a sick name. Yeah, it is. And like, you could maybe go with that. But also, okay, so like, he's doing a lot of stuff here. Like, this album is by different turns kind of catchy and poppy 
yeah. you know, perplexing and experimental, loud and kind of raucous and also quiet. It, it does feel like it, it, it doesn't do any one of those things well enough consistently. And I don't know, man, like I could think totally the opposite by December and we're making our list. And I'm like, yeah, this, I was, <laughs> I was wrong in April. I don't know what right. I was thinking. And I, I think that this, could be the case. This is um, my third favorite album of the year or something. But I agree with you. I feel like I don't know what to latch on to sometimes. That, and that's ultimately my problem. It's like, it's like, yeah, this is interesting. And like, it's clearly there, like a lot of thought went into this. And this guy has like, a different way of thinking about stuff. And that is compelling. Um, I don't know what that way of thinking about stuff is. I can't tell what this guy's perspective sort of is. Yeah, and to be fair, I, it's not like I've done my due diligence to be like, I'm really going to try and understand, like, this perspective. No, like, yeah, me neither. I, I'm, I'm really, I, I've just been sort of listening to listen and be like, all right, if, if I can glean anything from the listen, like, that's great. But I don't have that background knowledge to, to kind of support it. But no. it, it's still good. I can recognize it's still good. It is. It definitely is good. And I feel like it just is like, sort of too early for me to really make a strong call and like i I don't know like the jury's still out for me on this artist and you know both the albums that have been widely critically acclaimed yeah we're like i I get to them and i'm just like well and it's that kind of alienating feeling of like well what am i missing yeah do i I not getting yeah yeah yeah. do i not get it is that the thing yeah i know i know it um and that just that legitimately sometimes happens but that's okay um jake speaking of critical acclaim not well it depends on who you're looking at actually yeah the strokes put out the new abnormal their first album in has it been six years uh it's seven really it, 2013 come was back machine come down machine was well come okay so it depends if if you're looking at come down machine or that like present future past ep they put out uh, true true that was 2016 full, full length album it's been yeah, seven years seven years seven years um this got kind of savaged by our uh, Pitchfork, our yeah. resident music critic reference, um, but got some really good reviews from other publications. It was kind of all over the map. Yeah, it, it, which is what you'd expect from Pitchfork in my estimation. It's just like they, they have the strokes number. They're not going to give them credit. They kind of do the same thing with Arctic Monkeys, like, although not as negative. They do, they do to the strokes what they do to Arctic Monkeys, just more negative with the strokes all their reviews this is the lowest review they've given the strokes i think ever which is crazy because here's a here's a take for you jake this is their best album since room on fire that i dude to be honest with you like is that crazy it's not because first impressions of earth has maybe a you know five six songs that are better than anything that i really like on this but like but it's bloated it's too long there's too many misses on it there are some there's some great strokes tracks on first impressions of Earth. absolutely there are some of their all-time and, best and, and i used to say that is their third best album i honestly think their albums have deteriorated in quality every every time out and like literally you look at their discography in order of release and that's my same order of ranking it goes right in order this is the first one to buck that trend i think the new abnormal is better than first impressions better than angles better than come down machine the funny thing is with come down machine is that i i 
think I remember it slightly more fondly than you do. And I yeah, actually I don't like that album. I think it's bad. I, I don't agree. At, I know. I know in, you don't. In all respects, I also think that it is, and you won't agree with this, but I think it's, it's more consistent in some ways than Angles is. Angles is a really bumpy ride, actually. Yeah, There's some, there are some is. duds on yes, Angles. I, okay. There's also I, some great tracks, though. There are. There are. There's like four great tracks. That's it. Yeah. Um, and even some of those, like if you're thinking about like uh, whatever that last track is, life's Life is simple. Even, yeah, even that's like a little bit yeah. like ah, yeah, you listen back and it's like yeah. it's kind of all over the place. Like there's not a coherent idea <laughs> here. That's a good point. Um, angles is is a great example of rose colored glasses for me. 100%. I like I in my memory, I think that I like actually really like to even love that album sometimes. Yes, me too, me too. And then I listen back to it, and I'm like, wow some of this is bad some of this is really bad well you know what it is it's because that came out in 2011 jake yeah we were still young college students we we had more of college left than we had started uh or that, that we had completed we're in this like great part of your life hey the strokes we love that band you know we grew up with them this album will be great you have a great single like undercover of darkness machu picchu and you're like, okay, yeah, this is going to be great. And you can kind of trick yourself into thinking it's better than it is. Dude, and I compare that with Come Down Machine that came out in 2013. I was going through a rocky time mental yeah. health-wise in my life. This album comes out. It's a big disappointment for me. And I kind of let that narrative just like go. And I was like, ah, fuck that album. You know, yeah. like, and actually I'm looking through the track list now. There's some decent songs on Come Down Machine. I Dude. like Tap Out a lot. I, I like uh, Welcome to Japan's Cool. Like, the you know, the first four tracks are. Yeah, like, One Way Trigger. Like, there's some decent stuff there. Small um, Animals I like. But yeah, I kind of let myself just be like, ah, the strokes, like diminishing returns. Then, look, I have to say, the narrative with the strokes for me this year is they, they do the Bernie rally that we were at. You Which is great. Which we get cool. to see them. Um, they announced this new album. I hear one of the singles. I'm like, hey, that's like not that bad. I think the album art is cool in a way that it hasn't been cool in a while. Yeah, um, it is. They've whiffed on some album art. Oh, yeah. Big time. Which one's the worst? Which, what's the worst Strokes album? Cover? I, I honestly think the one that's going to age worse is Angles. I agree. Angles is the worst. Angles is bad. Angles is one that you see in like a discount record store bin for like a buck do you like do you ever make comparisons to like to artists like if you think about where the strokes are in their career right now compared to where like the rolling stones would be like as an example if is this it was the rolling stones and it came out in 1964 um the new abnormal comes out in like 1986 and and like think about looking at that bargain bin and being like ooh, a 1986 stones record like am i gonna bother with this look oh they're in like multicolored like blazers like, i don't <laughs> yes. know i i think about that too um i think it's hard sometimes though you need to almost match up like the critical acclaim or the popularity at the time so like or, or like when their best records line up because i think a narrative you could sort of concoct for this strokes one is it's almost like their um 1978 what, what was that one by the stones that had miss you on it oh some yeah girls. some girls like, this, there's some girls where it's like hey they had a rocky few years they put out some stuff that wasn't great but hey they're coming back and like this one's pretty good like you could make that comparison with it too. 
Yeah. Well, so I got to say, I mean, let's talk about the pitchfork thing because I honestly think, and I didn't read the review. I just had no interest. I was like, you know, I I know my relationship with the strokes. I know that I'm, I'm prepared to be disappointed. Like I'm bummed. It's a 5.7. That's pretty low. And then here we go. And then I listened. I was like, this is pretty good. Like first Mm -hmm. listening through, I was like, that's just because I like them, whatever. Honestly, I think Pitchfork really fucking whiffed on that. And I, I, I think that they, they maybe expected to just ride the same wave and just be like, everyone's going to pan this thing. Like, it's safe for us to give it a 5.7. It's actually getting, like, pretty favorable reviews. It is. And, like, people are calling it not necessarily just a return to form, but, like, an interesting new exploration of other it sounds. Is that I want to explore that because for every Strokes record that I have heard since Is This It? Yep. It always feels like they're trying to do is this it again, but in like slightly different ways. It feels very self-conscious about itself that it isn't yeah. is this it. And I felt that way about Room on Fire, although that is the best example of them just being like we're kind of capturing lightning in a bottle again with this. Yeah. Like they they pretty much did. But I think first impressions of earth, angles, come down machine, those all are very self-consciously not what people want from the strokes. Yeah. And the new abnormal, and I think it's aptly named for many reasons. Um, I mean, yeah, we can go into all kinds biographical of for the band and also larger culturally. Just um, the timing of that. Well, and I was just going to say really quick, the idea that this phrase, the new normal would become right. as prominent as it has become. Yep. They couldn't yep. have known that. That's pretty crazy, actually. It is very prescient. Um, for them to come out with this one, I have to say, this is the first time I haven't felt like a Strokes album is burdened by having to live up to the expectations of being a Strokes album. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's been so long in a way that it's like, look, they're the Stones in the 80s. They're, they're you know, um, they're one of those bands 20 years. It's, it's, it, for all intents and purposes, it's 20 years since they got yep. going. They're yeah. a different band. They're grown ass men now. They're adults. Yep. And it's like it, the music they're going to make is not going to reflect that anymore. And I think this maybe is the time that people, people have allowed themselves most to be like, all right, like, yeah, is this, it was then this is now. And it's like, right. look, it, is this fucking Graceland? No, it's <laughs> no. not. It's, no. it's not, you know what I mean? It's not, this is not a masterpiece. No, no, but, no, 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 it's not. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty good rock album from, you know, maybe this is benefiting from lowered expectations overall. I, I, I actually do think that that's part of it. That is part of it. But also, like, I think what is so hard with the Strokes more than any other band is the ability to just like it as music, which I do with yeah. all these albums, even the ones that I think are, like, lesser. Because, like, they're good. And it's, like, it doesn't capture the same thing as Is This It, but it never could. And it never was going to. And it's that's what, not what it's about. And it's, like is this a rock album that I like? Yeah. And am I listening right. to it more than any other new album right now? I am like, yeah. and that's not just because it's the strokes. It's because I like it. Exactly. Yes. That's a great, great point. Um, and I think in terms of the actual music they're putting out and the songs that they're putting out, they're doing stuff that's on this album that is so much more interesting than things they've done in a long, long time. I yeah. think, different instrumentation the like the, the synths and keyboards and stuff like they're doing cool stuff with that i think julian singing on this is as good as it's maybe ever been as well he is singing with like more maturity a little more of that like crooner ish like i'm definitely ma- more mature as a singer kind of vibe yeah 
Um, and he's kind of like moving his voice in different ways. I think the way he's able to like float above the band, but then like lock in with them on the very next line or melody is super interesting. I don't think he gets enough credit for being like a really good frontman lead singer. He's an excellent singer and he has like a really iconic voice. And, and I agree he's using uh, his voice in different ways on this. Um, you know, I can liken the crooner stuff to like uh, the way Alex Turner matured into his voice a little bit. Yeah. I think he uses falsetto to excellent effects throughout the album. That too. Now, yep. so two things. One, to go on about how I think Pitchfork's review was far too negative. Um, there have been many positive reviews. Um, amongst them was actually Anthony Fantano who I expected to just rip on this album because it just has all the makings of an album he would shit all over. He gave it an eight. Wow. And he like really liked it and had a ton of positive stuff to say and called it a return to form. And one thing he pointed out that I thought was really interesting that like, I guess I knew, but I hadn't really like thought about it this way. The songs are way longer. They are. They, they have this, this album has like five or six, five plus minute songs. Yeah, it does. And, 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 that, and I, I hadn't really put together like that that is actually, that is abnormal for the Strokes. They, unintended. And, and you know, what's interesting too is I think Julian said, he's like, ah, we took a decade off. Like the 2010s didn't count. Like, like those albums don't count anymore. And for them, and that's sort of bullshit. And you can be like, no, that's not how but it works. You got to kind of love that. I like to hear that out of him. That shows he cares. And if you go into that, if you go into this album with that in your mind, you can kind of be like, yeah, okay, the new abnormal, sure. Like, th if this yeah. is the band you're going to be now, like, yeah, that last decade didn't count, sure. What, what, I, I need to know, what is it about the Strokes? Because I feel like, uh, you know, we do a music podcast, so we're pretty fucking caught up in narrative and, like, yeah. probably more than we should be. Yeah. There's no band more than the Strokes that I catch us being just, like, completely – locked into the narrative more than the music and i, they, I they've always been a band where like the story the legend and the narrative matters and i think when i read meet me in the bathroom um that was just reaffirmed for me that yeah. like even then people cared about like the look and like what it meant to like this band and what it meant for this band to exist almost as much as the music was good yeah. um, the other thing and I was thinking about this the other day with the Strokes. They're the last truly big rock band that we have that was like pre-internet. That kind yeah. of like bubbled up, not from the internet. It, yeah. it still wasn't quite that. Like, yes, that played a role, but not to the degree that music is now. And yeah. I wonder if there's sort of this lingering legend with them as being like the last true rock band like that you could say the white stripes a little bit but yeah it's even, different even by the time they got more popular which was towards the end of the 2000s i think the internet was already like much more established like the white stripes got like really burst onto the scene with elephant and that was oh four i mean yeah. even by then yep. internet was more of a thing and then i think when they got big big when they got like more mainstream big was like when icky thump came out and that was like 2009 seven, or seven. yeah okay. whatever it was I, I just am guessing seven seven yeah, i, th right I think it is um but yeah so i i don't know i think there might be something to that with them narrative wise no that that makes sense um to to talk about the album itself i i, I think they're there's a lot of good songs on here. I, I really like the song Eternal Summer a lot. Um, which that's is my favorite. That, I think that song is really good. 
It's mine too. And in classic needle drop fashion, I, there's, I never have gotten through a review of his without disagreeing with something. He said it's his least favorite and that he will skip it. Wrong. And Wrong. it's like, dude, it's, it's sick. It's like, I think it's the best song on the album. It is. I agree. It reminds me of like Pink Floyd at times, like on he, Half a Cigar. Like, yeah, he, he mentioned the, the Pink Floyd comp uh, okay. too. Uh, Big Cat from Pardon My Take said it was his favorite. Uh, yes, track. I saw that. Dude, I love that. He's been liking this album. Yeah. So that song's really cool. I think The Adults Are Talking is a cool intro. And it has like the, the I've noticed the strokes have fallen into like over the 2010s. They did more with like these really precise staccato guitar riffs. Like, you know what I mean? Like those really quick notes more than they did in like the early, like on Is This It, it's all that really kind of like driving. Yep. You know, there's more uh, of that here. There's more of that here, but there's also like a song like The Adults Are Talking feels like guitar similar to something that's on like Tap Out or Welcome to Japan. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Where it's like yeah. that kind of like note for note riff thing that they're yeah. doing. Yeah, I, some of them do have that like driving guitar, which is cool. And I think a song uh, like Why Are Sunday So Depressing yeah. kind of has that. I think that song is really good. I think the way Julian sings on that song is really impressive. That one took until today. I had a listen a little bit earlier before we were recording where it struck me like how good that song actually is today. Um, yeah. I think Brooklyn bridge to chorus is very good. Um, we mentioned at eternal summer. I think at the door is good too. At the door is great. That's the one that I, th- that at the, um, the Bernie rally, they played the music video for it up on the big screen. Oh, okay. okay. And it was great. It was like, I mean, I, at the time I was like pretty cynical about it. I was like, all right, here we go. Like we got to watch this music video now. This is like <laughs> Trump. This is like Trump at his propaganda sessions playing a fucking campaign ad. <laughs> <laughs> but I, which he did. Right. Which is just whatever. So much to be left unsaid about that. Yes. But, um, with uh with with this music video is actually pretty interesting and it had like it was all cartoon and it was this art like pretty artistic kind of thing and i remember thinking like you know i i i thought a lot of things about that but i did not hate it yeah Um, yeah yeah. i definitely think at the door is 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 good i think so okay um is it bad decisions that i guess billy idol you were saying got um a a writing credit because because of dancing in the dark because I think this song sounds like that song Melt With You or whatever. Is yeah. That- so Billy Idol, I looked it up. I went to the Wikipedia um, and I looked up this song, um, Bad Decisions by The Strokes. And if you can't tell, I'm typing that in right now. So right. I- Doing the Rosillo. Exactly. And can we get IT on that? <laughs> um, yeah. Writing because- credit on this goes to... Dancing with Myself, by British See, musician Billy Idol. And, and while there are definitely similarities Dancing between... Dancing with Myself. Yeah, that, like, that's similar to Bad Decisions. Yeah. I think this song is also very similar to that song that's like, I'll stop the world and melt oh, you. Oh, yeah. You know that yeah, song? You're right, you're right. It's very similar to that in the riff, the guitar sound, all of that is like the chord progression. I think it's like the same. Dancing with Myself. Yeah, I mean, it's like... Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's that. So okay, the vocal melody, yes, is just like Dancing With Myself. I think the vibe of the song and the, the chords and all that are, remind me of that Melt With You song. So it's funny that there was this like songwriting credit, like legal dispute that wasn't yeah. even about the song that I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. 
that's how like kind of derivative it is of that era of rock. I know that, that's that's one of my least favorites on here. I think because it is. Yeah. I'm just like it's it's fine. I'll listen to it. I don't Whatever. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good stuff from the Strokes, dude. That, very that, good stuff. Hey, that we, that's the one silver lining of all this bullshit. Like, how's that for like this this trend of like we all need we need some good news in the world. <laughs> you know. Well, we got it. We uh, did. Couple quick ones before we wrap up and, and uh, we do our next segment. Uh, I wanted to quickly hit on this Hamilton Lighthouser album, Jake. Oh, I, I haven't listened to that yet. Life. Yeah, so this came out on Friday. I, you know, we loved the Hamilton Lighthouser and Rostam album. Uh, I had a dream that you were mine back in 2016. Now, wow, that's I can't believe it's been four years. It's crazy. Um, this new one does not have Rostam involved. Um, it's a true Hamilton Lighthouser solo album. It's very good, though. It's good. It's That's like a lot heard. of short stories about people. They're all like people from his life, I guess. Some, some are definitely better than others. There's a few on here that I think are legitimately good. Like, here they come till your ship comes in. Whack Jack. Whack Jack has like one of the, uh, like an awesome like pedal steel sort of thing going on. Um, hmm. Yeah, it was like, it's good. It's definitely good. Uh, I don't know how much I'll be going back to it besides those three songs, but Hamilton Lighthouse are still out here doing this thing. I had been intending to listen to this album, and I kid you not, I quite literally forgot. I just like, okay. forgot it existed. Okay. Um, it, uh, you'll like it. There's stuff in yeah. here. You'll definitely like it. So it really- let me ask you, this. Are the Walkmen, are they just like not a band anymore? Yeah, I don't think they're a band anymore. I think he wants to do his solo stuff. Some other members of the Walkman have joined like other bands or started other bands. I think. I, wow. Yeah. I just, I don't think they're, they're going to get back together. I don't know. That's we're, sort of sad because they were really a good band. Yeah. Yeah. With, with a few really great albums and like some iconic yeah. songs. I mean, the rat is like, I know like they, they have more great songs than you think. Oh like, yeah, they do. We, any of us really remember. And they're more popular than, than yeah. you might think. I think especially because the song Heaven was in the uh, How I Met Your Mother finale. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it blew up from yep. that. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then, Jake, we have this Laura Marling album that came out called Song for Our Daughter. I only got to listen to this one once, so I don't have a whole lot to say, but I did like it. I like it too. I mean, I've listened twice or three times, so I don't have like crazy take on take on take stuff going on here. But like... <laughs> It's really, really good, and it's. I think the biggest takeaway for me with this one is like, I just forgot about Laura Marling. Like, okay, if there's yeah. any indication that like you've had a music podcast for four years and have had to listen to just like everything that fucking comes out, um, I really liked Semper Femina, the album she put out two, three years ago, 2017. Really liked that album. I think it ranked on my end of year rankings yeah. for albums. Yeah, I remember you were high on that. A couple of the songs were on there. I, I loved it. It had that kind of cool, almost like jazzy singer-songwriter production. Mm-hmm. And when this album came out, I was like, Laura Marling, that's a name that's familiar. Like I, did, I, th- I think maybe I listened to one of her albums once. <laughs> and I go on and I'm like, oh no, Like I had a deep relationship with this record that she put out a couple of years ago and I loved it and I forgot about her. And I love this. This this new album's great, man. It's more of the same I mean, stuff. I think that speaks to how much music consumption goes down, though. And yeah. Like, All right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. It's, it's understandable. Yeah. And so the, this this album is really really good. And I don't have track for track takes yet, but maybe save that for next episode. But just to say that, like, th- this is worth listening to. And she's a, yeah. has a really 
I will say that she has an interesting presentation. It's all very cleanly recorded. Mm-hmm. And she has this cool kind of um, slightly deep, slightly kind of like talk singing way of, of, of uh, performing on some of the tracks that actually is like really, really cool. So it's worth it. checking out. Good. I'm glad you're liking it. Um, Jake, we have a lot of time on our hands due to being on lockdown. And you mentioned that you have been able to do a deep dive into yeah. some different classic album documentary series on Amazon, correct? Yeah. So, okay. So last time I did the, the deep dive segment on the band, um, and this, this time it's not about it, just one band, but about like kind of a bunch. So like, yeah, these, these documentaries, they, they started, I think in the nineties, they're just called classic albums. I have no idea what they were originally on, if they were on a channel or like how they even came to be. I became aware of them in college when I started watching, like I would look for clips on YouTube of bands talking about the music they make and interviews. And like, I would see a running theme of like, there's, oh, there's clips of this, like these classic albums documentaries and like that just got uploaded to YouTube, but I never had seen really like a full one except what was on YouTube basically. So they're all on, and I don't know about all, but the vast majority of them are on Amazon. And so, yeah, like you said, there's time to kill. So uh, Mary-Kate and I have been watching these classic albums documentaries. So the ones we've watched so far are Asia by Steely Dan, Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys, Rumors um, by Fleetwood Mac, Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd, the band self-titled album, and Damn the Torpedoes by Tom Petty. They're all, and these are like, these are manageable documentary lengths. Mm. None of them go over an hour, really. Oh. They're, they're like 50 to 60 minutes. That's, so, that's a nice length. That's like what you want. It's just enough to give you like a lot. Snackable, Jake. It's snackable, especially for, you know, people like us who are into, you know, that kind of thing. Um, And so these are interesting because for a couple reasons. One, they were clearly made like kind of like in the 90s. So some of them go into the 2000s. Like the Pet Sounds one is newer. Damn the Torpedoes seemed newer. So this is definitely like a series that they've kept going. The older ones are kind of funny because like it, it's sort of interesting to see the way documentaries were cut together in the yeah. 90s and like uh-huh. just the grainier footage uh-huh. of interviews and like the B-roll. Like, yes. like so as an example, I'll talk a little bit about like favorites and least favorites. Yeah. Um, so least favorite, first of all, one that you can probably skip where like I think that the album stands on its own and you don't really need it. Asia. Okay. Okay. So definitely listen to Asia people out there and get into it. It's awesome. Now this, this documentary was not without its cool takeaways. Like amongst them, I found out that like Michael McDonald sings on the album, I guess. And he does some really intricate, like back backup harmonies. Yeah. There was some cool stuff about some of the guitar solos and how they brought in like seven different session guitarists to play one solo. And just until they got the right one. Wow it definitely comes across that the two Steely Dan guys are very exacting in what they want, but they are not a compelling interview. I will say Mm. that they are like, so I, I, you probably have picked this up. I don't think you've ever really gotten like way into Steely Dan, but you you probably have recognized that they have like their, their whole thing is like, they're kind of like sardonic and sarcastic individuals who are like, have this kind of cynical and like pretty dry sense of humor. Yeah. And it comes across in the music and the music itself is also highly technical, mm-hmm. very, very like, it's like jazz and, and it, it's a little bit like elite in that respect. Mm-hmm. So 
it, their interviews were definitely like super dry. It was just them kind of like making like little in jokes to one another that were like, you know, it's again, I don't want to take away. Some of the commentary was interesting. Yeah. Like they, they just looked like they could not be any less happy to be giving an interview, especially Donald Fagan, who's the singer and piano player. Yeah. He just seemed like he had no, like, it was like, kind of like hated himself for even doing it. So, you know, again, they're, they're interesting parts, but I don't know, not, not all that great. The best one, in my opinion, is Dark Side of the Moon. Okay. Um, not a band that I, I would have expected to like be as open to doing a good documentary as they were. Yeah. But the interviews are great all around. Um, you have uh, David Gilmore, Roger Waters, and um, is it Nick Mason and Rick Wright, I think, are the other two members of the band. All giving good interviews, all with like really interesting insights. They had really good... Um, stories behind the different sounds that go into the album. Like as an example, um, you know how there's those voices that are like, they cut in and out of the album where it's like, oh, they were cruising for a bruise. And then it's yes. like, I definitely wasn't the right. Like all those, yes. those sounds on that album. Those are just people that they asked a series of questions and recorded their responses and then just used snippets of the most interesting ones Wow! to cut it in and out. So they would ask them like, what's your happiest memory? Like when's the last time you were violent? When's the last time you got really drunk? And they and they would take their responses and put them into that's, the album. That's really um, cool. Paul McCartney and Linda McCartney were interviewed for it, but they didn't use their snippets. Wow. Um, so, like, I think this one was really good because the band seemed engaged. There were really interesting stories, and the other interviews were good. So, like, another key yeah. part of these documentaries is like the Talking Head interviews outside the band have to be compelling and interesting. The Asia one, they really weren't. There was mm. no one I can even remember talking mm. about that stuff except for the Michael McDonald clip. Um, with Dark Side of the Moon, they had David Frick, the Rolling Stone writer. Yes. You need, I feel like you need interesting critics or cultural voices to lend context to the actual artist. Exactly. And what I was going to say is that like one of my takeaways and things that I find funny but also I'm just like flat out addicted to is the way people talk in documentaries. Yes. It's amazing. The way talking head interviews go. Yes. And so you have David Frick, the Rolling Stone writer being like, and you know, the Floyd, they, uh, they were playing this glacially paced rock music. That was, it wasn't unlike anything people have had heard before. Once Sid went crazy, they're, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, dude, that's amazing. Shoot that shit into my veins yes, every single fucking day. They know day. what they're doing too. They know yeah. how they're talking. They're like, I I need to present it like I'm a talking head rock critic. Yeah, and it's just I love the way the the the, the talking heads in documentaries who are like, you know, and, and before this album, there wasn't a precedent for that. You didn't hear a you didn't hear a drum sound like that. Like on Damn the Torpedoes, they talk for at length about the drum sound. <laughs> And they'll, and they'll, you know, um, and so I just find that like, it's really, that, that stuff is like a, both amusing to me and also like, I love it and live for this. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I um, love how much you love it. And I also love it. Yeah. It's always funny to me. That's great. The, the coolest part to me of these documentaries is um, when they, they sit the artists down at the mixing table, like the mixer and they, yeah. they have them kind of like they'll turn parts down and they'll be like, now listen to this harmony here. One that I'm looking oh. looking forward to watching is, and I've seen like most of the clips of it on YouTube for years ago, is uh, Who's Next, The Who. There's one on yes. that. 
I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that one. And it, it's cool to like, as an example, see Roger Daltrey sitting at the table and being like, let's just listen to Keith Moon and yeah. like watching his reaction, listening to 1971 Keith Moon. And he's just like laughing to himself and can't help but smile. And he's just like, man, so sick. We had something special. And like the, wow. the way they talk about the way musicians talk about each other is also addicting. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I, I um, love that. So anyways, of the ones that are worth watching that I've seen so far, Dark Side of the Moon was my favorite. And I think I would say Rumors was my second favorite tied with the band self-titled. Those were probably okay. Pet Sounds. I think maybe it was definitely good, but I think I know the story too well. Yeah. And I just was yeah. like, yeah, okay. Like Brian stayed home. He didn't go on the tour. There were a couple snippets in there, but nothing that like I, I kind of hadn't read already or didn't know. I feel like yeah. the Pet Sound story has been well told. It, honestly, if I'm if I was gonna watch one, it probably would be Rumors or Dark Side of the Moon. I honestly would recommend you watch both. The Rumors one yeah. is really good, and there's good, candid interviews from all the members of the band. Yeah, like the turmoil they were going through at the time. Uh-huh. They all, especially Stevie Nicks, like still seem kind of bitter, actually. I think there is a lot of uh, hurt feelings still. Well, yeah, yeah. Two relationships that literally deteriorated as that album was being made. And yeah. like, there's songs like Christine McVie, uh, You Make Love and Fun. She yeah. wrote that about her new it's relationship. It's so brutal. While John McVie is there like playing yeah. on the track. And like, yeah, and, and it's so fucked. Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham just sniping back and forth at each other. God. Terrible. It's a it's a wonder. I mean, thank God for cocaine. They would never have survived as a band. <laughs> no, or and like it's a miracle that that album even came out, or like is as good as it is. It's a miracle it's good at all. I know. Yeah, and it's it, let alone like a fucking classic, a, a landmark achievement. Yeah, in like making pop rock right a, a, come out as an album that actually is coherent and and good. Yeah, no, it's a great um, point. I, 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 I do. I'm going to check those out, especially knowing that they're not very long. Yeah. Um, that's great. I think, I think Dark Side of the Moon, especially, and, and r- rumors, this is the last thing I'll say, actually might make you like the albums more. Oh, I bet it will. I yeah. bet it will. Yes. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, one quick recommendation of the week for you. This is one that I had mentioned earlier. I've been listening to PJ Harvey's Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea. Um, I have listened to a little bit of PJ Harvey in the past, but never enough to like really get into her. I feel like this was the way in though. I've been like wanting to listen to this album every single day. Um, I was mentioning earlier how it feels weirdly relevant to the moment, even though it's not really, um, but it feels like it is. So I would recommend checking that out if you've ever been interested in PJ Harvey or want to know, you know, what she's all about. Tom York is on a couple tracks. Oh, um, wow. I didn't know that. He's like, I think he's harmonizing on one and then he is like legitimately singing on the other one. Uh, it's oh, that's like a awesome. Lost Radiohead song. It's really cool. So yeah, some good stuff. Some good turn of the century rock music there. What year did that come out? 2000. 2000? Yeah. Oh, yep. okay. Yep. Kid A era Tom York on yeah. that. Yeah. That's cool. Very interesting. Um, so I, I highly recommend that. And then to wrap up, Jake, um, release radar for April 17th. We are, I guess a lot of albums have been pushed towards the end of the year that were supposed to come out this spring. Because normally April into May is one of the busiest album release times with some of the best albums. A lot of them have been pushed, I guess. Fiona Apple, though, has not pushed hers off. Her first new album since 
I think 2012 since I, uh, since Idler Wheel the Idler Wheel came out. Um, I think that was 2011, even wasn't it? No, maybe 12. 12 sounds right. Yeah, I think it was 12. But still, it's been a long time. Fiona Apple coming out with Fetch the Bolt Cutters this Friday. So now, we'll is see. is that just the first four words in no, the paragraph that is her album title? I don't know. I was wondering the same thing. I didn't see in the article I looked at. I didn't see anything else. But like honestly, this could be a whole paragraph, and we don't I, know. I, that's a game you could play. You know, it's a Fiona Apple album title <laughs> if there's an ellipsis in the <laughs> album title somewhere, or if the album title takes up the entirety of the cover, or if the album title could not be comfortably fit into a tweet. <laughs> right. The album title has more than 280 characters. <laughs> right, right. You need to start a thread to, to just say <laughs> the name one of four. <laughs> She should do it like that. She should do her longest yet. Yes. She should yes. do one that's just like literally every word of War and Peace. <laughs> and just be like, that's what it's fucking called. That's like, sorry. Called. Sorry, guys. Like, that's you my have creative to say it that way every time. Yeah. Uh, so we have that coming. But other than that, Jake, we're just heads down trying to get through this shit. So keep hanging in there. Yeah, stay safe out there, everybody who's uh, who's listening, and um, thanks for engaging on Twitter. I've actually seen some like kind of more commentary on Twitter that makes me think people maybe have listened lately. So that's cool. Hey, there you go. And um, yeah, just stay stay strong out there. These are weird weird times, but we'll get through them. I hope. I hope. I hope. Bye, guys. Later, everybody. So I, I mean, I think, God willing, this should all work again. Yeah, yeah, it worked last time. So yeah, I think we're probably good. Um, agenda. Pre-show, after show, we just did a pre-pre-show about how bleak the current situation is. It's not great. COVID nineteen. No, it's not great, Jake. It's not good. No. Um, we, you know what actually I think gets lost in this? What's up? Is like 2,000 people are dying every day. And yeah. we're sort of like, eh, like it could have been worse. It's like 9-11's happening every day. Right, totally. And, and it's just not, it's not as visible. Buildings aren't exploding, so it's not as. Right. And like, and honestly, what most people want to talk about, most people are like, the president's annoying. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, which lest that be misinterpreted, I legitimately hate the president, and I say that about almost no one in the world. I think (laughs) same. Like he has made me re-question what, like, whether evil might be an actual thing. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That said, like, it is distracting every day. To just have him be like saying buffoonish things. Now, okay, this is probably partly my fault for just like feeding into it and reading this shit all the time. Have you found it very hard to focus on work because you're like, of course, I, I'm like, well, I wonder what's going on now. Like, I wonder what crazy shit I need to be made aware of. Because honestly, what it it is sort of like living on like this knife edge every day of you know i something really bad might develop today like and you just sort of don't know exactly yeah Um, and every day it's like little versions of that it's like maybe trump said something 
absurd that you're like, oh shit, I hope that doesn't come to fruition. And then other days it's like, I don't know. And you hear descriptions of what's happening to people, you know, in cities where their medical systems are becoming overrun. And this virus is no fucking joke. Like that's the other yeah. thing is like, I'm really afraid of getting the virus. Right. Even as me. Yeah, I'm no, 27 years old. I, I really don't want that. It's killing people of all ages. And yeah. if, even if it doesn't kill you, it's like, it's supposed to be the sickest you have ever been. And you were just like literally miserable for two straight fucking weeks. Yeah. And that the fever doesn't break for like 10 to 14 days. And you just are like in hell. And I'm like, what? I'd really rather not have that. No, I know. And, and, and to, to think that without mass testing and temperature checks and all of these things, we could even think about getting back to any semblance of normalcy. It's just yeah. irresponsible. It's irresponsible. Dude, did you see today there were these fucking people up in Michigan who were oh, like yeah. protesting the lockdown? I they think that might have been Ohio. Or Ohio, wherever it was. I think you're right. I think you're right. They all had Trump flags, Confederate flags. Like, you people are the dumbest of the dumb. And you, I, like, if you get the virus and get sick and die, like, you fucking deserve it because you weren't supposed to leave your house. Yeah, man. There's a lot of mis- disinformation and misinformation out there that people are following. And, like, the notion that this is some kind of a conspiracy to to take trump out in a way that's political is just it's backwards and it's mm. it's Dangerous. so it's so beside the point yeah um you know he's done that time and time again with his own actions over the course of three and a half years like it it's not this i mean don't get me wrong this is egregious and should never be forgotten yeah his mismanagement and w- honestly like willful mm-hmm. ignorance Mm-hmm. and 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 just like you know uh wanton lack of care mm-hmm. history is, will not be he, kind to him no he, i don't know man he, he from from a historical legacy perspective he's dug his own grave but that doesn't matter for him because the truth is whatever he decides it is right, right. in his own head so like honestly the you, even if like you were looking for a way to like, there's no way to even think Trump will ever get his because he'll just no, have he his money. He'll just be like fake news. Yeah, he'll fake news. He'll just continue to insulate himself from yeah. the reality. Yeah, and he'll start his own propaganda network after that. Like, tries to rewrite fucking history. Um, but honestly, those people are all gonna die out. It's it's only a matter of time. It's true. Like the Republican Party is shrinking. Their voter base is shrinking. They will not last into the rest of this century. Like they're already hanging on by a thread and having to do voter suppression and all of these different things to try and maintain power. That is not like people are eventually going to wisen up. And I, I do. Well, I people hope. have wisened up, but it's, it's hard to change the system. I know. I know. Think about the fact that we, we've had now in our lifetime two Republican presidents who've received fewer votes than, the, than yeah. their Democratic uh, rival yep. in the election. Because that's possible in this country. That is wrong. And both of those presidents, through one way or the other, allowed the economy to completely fall off a cliff. Yeah, true. Uh, it, it, uh, I mean, it's a mess. And it's just like... Yeah, I, I, I have significant fears about this November election and how, you know, 
are we going to what's voting going to look like and 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 will people be able to vote and like you were mentioning before we even started recording like voter suppression will be easier than ever mm-hmm. oh and, yeah oh yeah what incentive does a republican have to do anything to fix that nothing none because it only benefits them um what happened in wisconsin is a fucking travesty oh my god and and I, all i have to say is thank god that democrats braved those situations and went out and vote voted and voted against the i think it was like a judge or something it was like a trump ass judge yeah. on, on the republican side going up against the democrat and the, it was supposed to be like close um and the democrat ended up winning and like i i it's gonna be rough if we don't get this figured out by then I think what's really, really difficult in trying about this whole thing, besides the pandemic and the deaths and the people getting sick and the way it's being mismanaged and the fact that we're getting overrun, is like it is legitimately more than ever and in a really, in a very real, scary way, making me question the way representative democracy works and can work. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it actually, like, I mean, is there a better system? Probably not. Right. But also, like, it's, severely flawed and we have not even really begun to perfect it oh god there's so much wrong with it and we're not even trying actively to perfect it no we are like leaning into the parts of it that are flawed and finding loopholes and like ways to be actively corrupt yeah bottom line it's tough out there it's weighing on me. It's affecting my mental health. It's affecting everyone. It is. I got something for you that I think it's a question more than anything. Cause I feel like we have probably have a similar view about this. I'm going to not preface it with any of my own thoughts. How do you feel about the stuff that is in the vein of the John Krasinski, some good news stuff that he's doing? Have you heard that? Yes. The idea that Um, this notion that, there's so much bad news. It's all bad news. We need some good news. What? Um, my What's opinion on that is yeah. that is entertainment. Yep. And to suggest that that quote unquote news is on the same level as this other stuff is irresponsible. Yeah, and I don't I, think that that's really even the claim, but I, it's just like. Do you know what I mean, though? But it's oh, yeah. equating, like, hey, this other thing over here, this fluff bullshit, can cancel this other stuff. You don't need to pay attention to that. I think we need to be looking at this with very open eyes and realizing how fucked up this is. And I think numbing yourself with more feel-good stories and entertainment is, you know, yeah, it could make you feel better. I get you know, I guess we're all trying to do that in some way, but maybe it's well, fine that it makes you smile or that it yeah, makes you Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. It's good. It, it's fine. Um, it's, I don't it, care for it. I don't watch it. Um, I, it is also a false equivalency. Yeah. Because it's like there, there is good news. Right. No one's saying there's not good news in the world. That's not reportable or interesting. Exactly. It's not exactly. It doesn't impact people. It it, won't be good news is like we wake up one day and we have a president who views things through a sober lens (laughs) and fucking like makes radical active steps to improve upon the situation. That'd be some good news. That'd be some good news. But like, I I agree. German shepherd Shepherd greets soldier who just came home. That's not news. It's adorable. Does it put a smile on my face? 
yes, it, yeah, but, it, but, it, but it's not, it's just a false way of looking at things. Yes, I agree. Um, that's why I don't like it. Something that uh, I just got done watching the newsroom um, during lockdown, which was excellent, loved it. That Sorkin dialogue, it's snappy. Jake. It's quick. It's kind of like us. Exactly. Except not as smart or fast or nimble on its feet. Right. Um, we're like, we're like, take Gilmore Girls in the newsroom, both of them on speed, and crank it up to fast forward. And that's what we're, that's the frequency we're operating. That's us on a bad day. Yeah, right. <laughs> All the different ways to exaggerate. <laughs> um, yeah, but their whole thing, their mantra for like the news was like, does this matter to voters or does this matter for someone who is casting a ballot? That was like their number one thing. And none of that is um, important for casting a ballot. Like these cutesy stories, none of that is real news. And like, honestly, dude, like they're in the news. If you watch local news or you watch any world news tonight or whatever, there's at the end of every single broadcast they do like, and here's one story that'll, that'll make you laugh. And it's like that, that there's a place for that. That's fine. Yes. Yes, I think it is appropriately allocated. There's, there's exactly enough of it. The, the problem is, and it's very interesting because Kara showed me this video um, talking about like doomers online, like people who are sort of like, just, oh my God, everything's fucked, whatever. Um, there was this interesting kind of take on it that was like social media isn't necessarily to blame for that. It's the fact that when you're on social media, you don't know if you're going to get like a fun, good, positive interaction, or if you're going to like see a tweet or see an article that's like, everything's terrible. And like, it's this constant like roulette wheel of like, what am I going to get? So it can like overload you that the news isn't actually the problem. It's the ways we are getting it. Well, it's also the fact that like, like my grandmother, who's 91 years old, she watches the news all day, every day. Yeah. When I've gone over lately to like pick up the dog who goes there during the day, it's like, she's like kind of depressed because she, it's really bad news all the time. And it's like, maybe turn off the news yeah. for a little while. And, and, and yeah. that's a part of it too. It's like, it's not that there's no good news. It's that like the news is on all the time, 24 seven. And like, there's, re- it, it, there's a certain amount of it that's helpful. And then mm-hmm. past that point, it, it doesn't do you much good. And that's sort of what I need to adopt with social media or being on my phone or whatever is it's not good to constantly be seeing that or constantly be plugged into that. Um, But what are you going to do? We're in a fucking pandemic. That Um, we are. Here's a a quick one for you, Jake, before we dive into the show. This will brighten the mood. Uh, I'm about 75 to 80% done with the 9-11 book. Oh. It is excellent. Uh, It's a super quick read for how long it is. Yeah. Uh, Very compelling. Um, I'm up to the stories on the ground. The South Tower has just fallen. Yeah. It's crazy to me that there were people like in the North Tower or in and around there who like, it fell and they like didn't quite know why like there was a huge rumble and like yeah. there was fucking debris around because how would you how could you yeah exactly and there were people like they're talking about this one guy who's stuck in an elevator in the north tower yep and had no idea a plane hit the building had no idea a plane hit the other building 
had no idea. Everyone was evacuating, had no idea the South Tower had fallen. And that, like, he is still just in this fucking elevator for, like, over an hour. I don't know how his story ends. The only reason why I don't think he's going to die in the crash is how else would they have gotten this guy's story? Because um, right. he was in the elevator alone. So True. I'm assuming he somehow gets out. But, like, dude, this guy's going to be in an elevator shaft. I, I often think about that, how the people who, who died on 9-11 or who, who even survived. But think about, like, the ones who died. Like, if you were on the first plane or something. Yeah. It, there's such a, a strange and cruel irony about the fact that like you were more directly involved with 9-11 than anyone else ever in the world yeah but you'll never know what it was well do you know what i, I mean I, yeah that's that's true that's like, like if you if you died on the first plane you probably don't even know you, you, you it's not like you know you're flying towards new york maybe maybe some people did some people were like were were coming in too low or yeah whatever. well okay because especially like, the first oh, plane especially yeah. the first plane because it flew in over manhattan and, right. and came in from the north but i don't but it's not like you you don't get the sense like you never learn the history of like yep both there were four hijacked planes That's both true. twin towers got hit they both collapsed it changed america you will never know yeah, that that's true. That's crazy. And, last, and a, lot of, yeah. a lot of people in the buildings too. No idea. Right. Like, yeah. There were people in the South Tower who were told like, "Oh no, you don't need to evacuate. Like you can stay in the building." And they were told Dude, like, how oh, crazy go back is to your that? Office, like, Did you d- did you read the the really like that super harrowing detail about the guy who was going around and like putting on the triage tags on people? Yes. Yes. How fucked was that? I know. I know. And the lady was like, I'm not dead. Yeah. And he just had to like walk away. It's like, that's. Oh. And he, he put the black band on her, which yeah. means don't even bother. Yep. yep. Oh my God. Yeah. Just hearing about the burns and some of the injuries and stuff is fucking crazy. So I, I, you saying you read that book made me, I think people who listen to the podcast at this point know that I have like a, a sort of not, it's not, I don't think it's as pervasive anymore, but I was obsessed with nine 11 for a lot of yeah. my younger years. And like, so I've seen a lot of videos about it. And there was even a time where in high school, I dabbled in some of the conspiracy theories mm-hmm. as I think, you know, so I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of the videos of like the creators of loose change right. on democracy now debating the, guys from popular mechanics who edited and wrote a book called like debunking 9-11 myths or whatever yeah and it's really really interesting i've watched that video there's a, it's like a play a 15 minute video of them debating um and amy goodman from democracy now is just like kind of moderating mm-hmm. like it's really interesting how i've seen that video maybe three times mm-hmm. in my life and like how it has hit me differently at every point when I was 15 or 14 or 13 or whatever, and in the throes of like, hey, maybe this was a conspiracy, and like, I'm, I'm very taken in by this, this video. Yeah. Like, it, all the questions it poses. Um, I watched that video and I was like, man, these guys, they're going on there, they're sticking it to the popular mechanics guys. They're coming in with heat, they're coming in with like anger. I watch it now, and they, they couldn't look worse, in my yeah. opinion. They go on and they just seem. First of all, just like way too angry. Yep. Way, clearly driven by displaced anger. Yep. And and they're like, one, one of them calls the, the dude who wrote the book a liar. Like it just straight to his face. Oh my God. And like they clearly, they haven't done the research or whatever. And it's like, I get that they're angry. It's just so funny how differently I view it. Because it's like, That's it's so weird to watch it and be like, whoa. 
you can yeah. see how quickly you can go down that hole of starting to believe some of that stuff. That's so interesting. Um, I have not seen that video, but that have you seen area, uh, I've seen parts. Um, it is what it is. Yeah, it's, a lot of it does not hold together. It's no, pretty. No. I think it's. I think conspiracy theories in general are interesting. Um, I I find them interesting in the same way that alternate histories are interesting, though. Like this is a potential glimpse at a different reality, one that I know isn't true. I almost look at them more as like, this is an entertaining like idea. When you start taking them seriously, yeah, and really being like, no, this is this is true, um, and you well, don't have the proof, then that is dangerous. Well, or when you make it your life, yeah, when you make yeah. your whole because pe- people go down that road of like, yeah, it gets to the point where it's it like it's kind of like a religion. Yeah, yeah, and and, you, and people start to think like they're enlightened, but yeah, everyone else around them are just like you know sheep or whatever, oh, and, and it's and it's like well no man like a lot of you know what what is is brought up in those conspiracy theories is usually pretty fucking flimsy. Yeah, exactly. but if you're in that mind way of thinking, like you can just turn anything, any argument against it on its head and be like, well, that's what the government has. Right, you know, right. Think or like the media is in bed with the government, so they've fed you right. lies. It's like okay, well, like, where's any proof of that whatsoever? Right, right. And like, and if the government, like, well, what about the people who were there? And they'll be like, they're they're uh, crisis actors. Actor. Yeah, right, crisis actors. And like, yeah, it, it, it obviously it's just that shit is yeah that, pretty that's, toxic that's actually. Dangerous. Yeah. Um, do you think reading this book helped you sort of? understand and process all of that situation better i feel like it has for me actually i feel like i understand the human toll better than i ever did yes but i have to say like it had the feel for me of like if i'm if i rewatch beatles anthology that sounds kind of glib but it's like i already know the basic beats i pretty much know like eight out of every 10 human interest story they tell you. Oh, like see, now I've never, I've read some, but I've never had them all sort of packaged and woven together in that way. So like, that's been really compelling for me. Like as an example, like the dude in the elevator, I knew that yeah. story going in the, the two guys who, um, maybe you haven't even met them yet. One of their names is Stanley. Yeah. Yeah. And he like saw the plane coming in the South yes. Tower and it like went a floor above him. Yes. Yeah, dude, that was crazy. And he like gets up and he sees the yep. Bible on his desk. Like yep. I'd heard that story. So yep. like there were a bunch of things where for me it was just like, it's kind of like brushing up, but also with a yep. few added things. So yeah, in a way it did for sure. Like the story of the guy who saw the woman on the ground. Yeah. I had never heard that one before. Yeah. Um, I had never heard the story before about how, um, plane two saw plane one flying the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, yep. And the pilots were like, "That's weird." <laughs> that's that's the craziest. Like, oh my god! And and the book is packed with with the dramatic irony. That is maybe the peak one. We should do the Rosilla. We should shout out the author. I don't remember it. Do you have it on you? The book uh, is called Fall and Rise. Mitchell Horowitz, right? Mitchell, no, Mitchell um, Z, something with a Z. Um, right. Zuckoff. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mitchell Zuckoff. Mitchell Zuckoff. Zuckoff. Yeah. A really yes. good book. Really interesting book. It is. It is. I'm, I'm going to finish it soon, probably by this weekend. Um, nice. 
and I'll be on to the next one. That's right. But yes. You ready to dive in? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. More, more, we did more on 9-11 than I anticipated. I mean, like, that, that's a quote. We got to hit that at least like once every, every, every half few year. Like, yeah, we got to hit on that. How so. much time, really quick, if you were to guess, how much time have we done in minutes or in hours, if you think it's that much, on 9-11 on the podcast? Definitely over an hour. Yeah, I bet, I bet we've done like 85 minutes on that. Yeah, I think that's probably, I was going to say like an hour and a half. I think Over that's the true. course of the, yeah. of the years. Yep, it might even be more than that. We might be surprised at how it like, it might be closer to two hours. Yeah, especially in these, these post shows. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. Three, two, one.